Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. My name's Chantelle Robards and I'm a business advisor that's specialising in supporting businesses within the NDIS market here at the Business Centre. For those of you who don't know the Business Centre, we're a not-for-profit based in Newcastle in New South Wales. Uh, We have a 35-year history with supporting small businesses locally and in the disability sector across the state. Now, like most industries in the country, the NDIS sector has been hit really hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, We've got, as a face-to-face industry, uh, our people with disabilities are very nervous about contracting the virus from their support people. And of course, as employers, very worried about the risk that's presented to your employees and uh, our sole traders equally as concerned about picking up the virus and then taking it home to their own families. So that's led to a big reduction in appointments and um, and therefore cash significant cash flow issues for business. Um, so today on a stunning autumn day in Newcastle, I'm delighted to welcome Barrett Campbell, who's the owner of Balance 123 Accounting and Advisory, to take us through some of these financial challenges that small business in particular are facing within the NDIS sector. And we're going to try and demystify some of the government stimulus that's available for um, businesses affected by the COVID-19 disruption. Um, Barrett has over 15 years of experience as an accountant. He founded Balance 123 back in 2018. Uh, The business specialises in providing virtual CFO services as well as other services like business advisory, accounting, tax planning, financial compliance. And um, Barrett also happens to be our virtual CFO here at the Business Centre. Um, So welcome to Barrett. Thank you. Barrett, how are you, I suppose, and how is Balance123 dealing with the impact of the coronavirus? Yeah, look, it's a um, very good question. I think everyone is, um, first and foremost, struggling with the disruption um, to the home unit. I think a lot of people have gone from going to work, um, kids going to school, to kids doing being homeschooled. Um, fortunately, you know, we've got a bit of relief from the homeschooling for a couple of weeks, but it's still really, really challenging um, trying to work in that environment, um, you know, where you, you're looking after the kids, but you're also looking after your, your clients. So, um, you know, we're still doing um, really well, I guess, in, in the face of this compared to a lot of businesses, um, but we're also working extremely hard because of not only the disruption, but we've got a lot of information that's being pushed into the marketplace. Um, the ATO is trying to catch up with some of this because it's administering a lot of these um, programs. So, look, the the main thing we're trying to get across to people at the moment is to, to sort of have some control. So, you know, the four things we're really focusing on, both internally um, at our business and we're advocating our clients to do, is um, to communicate really effectively, um, manage your cash, um, manage the change Um, and then the last one which is a little bit odd but we'll get to is consistency so um, you know I think you know for most parts um, communication is the number one thing at the moment that we need to be doing extremely well so we've gone out of a face-to-face environment now to mostly an electronic environment that's probably the main thing and then we've got uncertainty um, for employers with their employees um, for businesses with their clients um, and you know that also flows up the supply chain businesses with their own supply chain so um, given it is trying times um, Steve Waite 
you know, we've done a few of these at the Business Centre <laughs> and Steve Waits' um, chat with Peter Chapman was probably the most, most telling in that and, and he had a really good point that, you know, any business can, can really inject into what they're doing and that is speak to people, um, whether that's your employees or your spouse, um, as you want to be spoken to. You know, mm -hmm. take a little bit of time to probably inject some empathy into what you're doing um, rather than sort of, you know, letting the emotion get the best of you. So I think that's number one is just communicate really clearly on how you can help your customers, what you're going to do. Just make sure that it's clear, you know, um, and um, you know, that, that, that's probably my number, my number one thing at the moment. Communicate, communicate. Um, cash management is the big one um, from a financial standpoint. Yep. You know, cash provides a, a real level of agility and flexibility in the face of disruption. It allows you, you know, by having a little war chest, really allows you to sort of maybe take advantage of some opportunity um, or to at least give yourself a little bit of security. So it's another big one is, you um, you know, there is some incentives to spend money in terms of depreciation. Mm -hmm. We're not really going to talk about that a lot today because um, I think the main thing at the moment is probably trying to just handle your cash position rather than look to look to be um, engaging in buying more assets. So um, the next change management, um, you know, which is almost a whole science these days. <laughs> There's some, some really um, large bodies of work that some smart people have put together about managing change, managing your culture through change. So, um, you know, a lot of businesses have gone from working closely, seeing each other every day, yeah. um, you know, like we have here, to, to working from home um, a lot. So. You know, trying to, I guess, keep your culture um, where it needs to be or, or, or changing the way we're, we're communicating, you know, touching base regularly, doing things very differently. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be a big focus, you know, not only with, um, for, for some of these providers, like you're saying, typically very used to providing face-to-face -face services, yeah. very hands-on in what they, what they do, very passionate about what they do. Converting that into a you know a Zoom yeah. webinar or like a telehealth um, is a big challenge, yeah. and you know we've had people say, look, it's so much work. It's a lot of talking. It's yeah. a lot of instruction. Um, it's coaching models. The whole it's a lot. It is, yeah, yeah it, is, it is because you can't physically correct someone's posture or you can't physically alter what they're doing. Um, you've got to articulate another way. So mm -hmm. that can be you know mentally draining. I think you know, <laughs> a lot of people are feeling the end of every day is is the end of a week um, just in the effort that's gone into to driving um, those appointments and still be having meaningful really meaningful outcomes um, so change management is 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 really important um, and then lastly is consistency so you know it's really funny in this sort of disrupted environment so about consistency but you, you, to implement any of those first three things we really need to be doing it often and over and over and over again. There's no sort of magic pill um, at the moment to, to deal with the disruption. Um, if you're talking about cash management, you know, it's a, it's a constant exercise that you've got to do. Um, and a lot of people have, might have been fortunate that historically they've never had to manage their cash daily or manage it weekly or fortnightly. Um, that's now changed. So it's about consistency. There's no sort of one-off, I can do a forecast for my cash and then that that's done and dusted. Now I'm good. Um, for some businesses, it might be the case that now they've got a clear pathway. They know if they head down, they're, they're gonna be fine. 
but you're probably going to have to do it over and over and over again. Um, so, so if, pe Barrett, if people want to learn how to do cash forecasting. <laughs> yeah, look, um, there's, there's a ton of great software that, that really helps. Um, but a lot of what it is, is, is line by line, um, customer by customer um, for a lot of these businesses at the moment. If you're in real strife, you're really looking at bill by bill, when is it due, individual phone calls. You know, yes, I know this is due in two days time. Is there any chance I can get that deferred for a week or two weeks? You know, it's, it can be that hands on if it's, if it's very serious. So yes, there's some fancy stuff you can do, but it can be as simple as going through what you've got, um, you know, looking at, okay, when, when do I earn my income? When do I get paid? Mm -hmm. um, when do I receive my money? And then what do I need to pay and when? And going through on a spreadsheet, quite simply looking at a week or a day mm -hmm. or a month, depending on how, how at risk you are. So, um, you know, there's some really practical ways to do it without needing to overcomplicate it. It's just simply looking at this is how much cash I've got now. When is it in? When is it out? And trying to manage that and picking up the phone, communicating, saying, look, can you pay earlier? Hey, can I pay later? Yeah. And trying to massage that. Yeah, chasing down some debt, perhaps, that might be sitting there. Outside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, yeah. if you've got a, a debtor problem, again, it's a sensitive environment in that, you know, you don't want to come across as burning your customers either. Um, you know, being mindful of longevity in your business, you don't necessarily want to upset yeah. the apple cart, but, yeah. you, but you do need to probably have those conversations. And that's, that's where we sort of talking about communication is Speak to those debtors the way you would like to be spoken to for the people you owe sure. money to, right? So in take our industry, that. industry could be plan managers. Exactly. Could be self-managers. Yeah. Could even be the NDIA it's, provider payments. Yes. So yeah. it's exactly there is some multiple layers here, and yeah. ultimately, you know, you, that um, you're really dealing in relationships. You know, in business, it's all relationships. Yes, mm -hmm. there might be a tangible thing you have, a product, a service mm -hmm. uh, that you're doing, but it's ultimately it's a relationship between you and 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 someone else's business and someone in their business, yeah, sure. regardless of how large. So, um, that little bit of empathy and clear communication is is certainly going to help in managing your cash position. You know, by um, you know, sweet talking or convincing or sub storing, whatever it might be, it, it can be, if it's genuine, it can sometimes be a lot more effective than concocting a, a story or an alternate sort of reality, I guess. So. Okay. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. We sort of thought we might talk about how overwhelmed people were feeling with all of the stimulus coming in yeah. in, different, um, in different sort of pieces and what we can do to help people understand what's available and um, what they might apply for and what the implications for their business might be. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> as part of all of this disruption, we've now got the, the stimulus packages, mm. um, which, you know, the, the three really big ones that are talking points at the moment that businesses are probably hurting about um, um, is the the JobKeeper scheme is number one, right? It's the most recent one. It's also quite a large scheme. So for you know um, for, for employers with significant size um, mm -hmm. groups of employees, um, it's a a significant amount of money, but b it's um, it's got a significant level of complexity. So yes. what doesn't happen with that complexity is it doesn't reduce with how small you are which can be really difficult for, for a lot of, I guess, the, the um, you know, providers in this sector, um, is they're probably not as well resourced as a, as a business with 100 staff. They, they, they range from sole traders through. So um, it can be, 
really challenging to understand everything that's going on at the moment. So what we've done is we've we've broken it down to sort of you know basically the ten steps of how this is going to fall out. Okay. Um, we're dropping a fair bit of the detail out mm -hmm. um, because it would be a 40-minute discussion on just the turnover test. It can be a 40-minute discussion just on sure. eligibility or employees or super. So there's, um, there's that much complexity in it that um, what we're really trying to get people to do is to work with their accountant um, and we're going to try and put the brakes on a bit of the emotion by explaining the journey that it's going to, what it's going to look like as best we know so that um, we can give you some instruction on what you can look at doing today that's productive and working towards it um, without sort of having to digest it all right now. Yeah, because it's, it's very it's, practical. Yeah, I mean, even for accountants, you know, we're, <laughs> we're digesting as fast as we can. Um, and, you know, we're, we are still... Um, struggling with the detail. And you're still receiving clarification on some of that detail. I yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there's still bits and pieces that um, are coming out and um, most of the, you know, the real boffins in this space are saying this piece of legislation doesn't match this rules, which doesn't match this explanatory statement, which doesn't match what the ATO said on their website. So um, there is some inconsistencies that people have flagged and that they're advocating um, through the appropriate channels to get clarity on. Nice. So we can only really go with what we've got which is what we're going to do. Um, and the main message here is um, a little bit of patience because we've been given a grace period, importantly, to the end of this month to make these payments. Okay. So there's no rush to go out and do it today or have done it yesterday. Um, we do have a little bit of a grace period. The, the biggest pressure point for that grace period is going to be employers who feel a real responsibility to pass this money on to their employees mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Right, so that their urgency is actually driven by their the empathy of the employee's situation. Um, so, so that being said, um, we'll go through with how it works, Great. and it's still possible to, to make those payments, and then we'll tidy up the reporting or their account. It's going to tidy up the reporting by the end of the month um, to make sure everything falls into place. Excellent. So, all right, that's the plan. So, let's sink our teeth into it then. Um, we've got the current stimulus packages. So would you like to outline what we've got? Yeah, so we've got the, the main ones, the JobKeeper scheme, obviously. Um, there's also the pay-as-you-go withholding rebate um, that, that businesses who were eligible employers, mm -hmm. um, you know, can apply. So it's it's a really low low level of work in that one. It's really just a case of keeping your usual lodgements up to date. The ATO will process it in the background. It will reduce your liabilities and it's going to provide a cash flow benefit really over about six months. So it's not going to be any sort of up, upfront windfall for a lot of businesses. It's really just going to be a reduction of that, that outflow over six months. Mm -hmm. So, um, And then the New South Wales um, have a, a, a grant um, for the COVID-19 affected businesses um, up to 10,000. That, that application is now live. Um, so we'll get into that. That, that one's um, quite good, but you need to be very heavily affected. I think it's a 75% okay. um, that you need to demonstrate turnover loss. So, so it's so great for restaurants and clubs and pubs who've shut their doors. Yes, yeah. yes. So they, they've got a list of industries as well that they've highlighted they expect to be affected. Sure. Um, but like, you know, uh, for example, a hotel might be on that list um, and I haven't gone through it in, in all the detail or recited in the detail, but, you know, its suppliers are going to be likely affected as well. Yeah. Sure. Right. So anyone who specialises giving services to that industry. Of course, that makes sense. They're, like if that's their niche, they're also now directly impacted. Their whole customer base is now basically stopped trading. Yeah. So, um, 
so yes, they are then most likely going to have to um, go through a little bit of a, uh, a longer process through that New South Wales grant or get confirmation from an accountant. So, okay. um, but yeah, the, the JobKeeper scheme is obviously the one we want to kind of get some of the detail out there um, and just sort of flow through how it's, how it's going to impact people and some of the dates and just cool it a little bit. So um, the first thing is you need to have been an eligible employer um, before the 1st of March, right? Which means, yep. so you need to have been employing people, ideally reporting through single touch payroll, mm -hmm. which we're probably gonna refer to as STP. I'm probably gonna slip into that. Um, so um, that's the first thing, you know, to be eligible for this, quite simple. Mm -hmm. um, now that's quite simple on the surface and we'll touch on some of the, the sole trader stuff a little bit later, what we do know. Um, you need to obviously enroll with the ATA for this scheme. The date for that's the 20th. So we've still got a few days before yep. that enrolment um, process is, is released and we can access it. Sole traders will access it through that as well. Okay. So they'll go through the same enrolment through the business portal, um, however it might be delivered at that point. Um, you need to have at least one eligible person, right? An eligible employee yes. for this or a business participant if you're a sole trader partnership trust. Um, and the information on that this is where it's again a little bit confusing but refining the reporting on who those eligible employees isn't all done through st like single touch payroll there's also another monthly declaration we've got to make okay. that's made after the end of the month 4th of may is the date they're saying that'll be available from so the um the fourth thing that you want to look at is the turnover test um, so there's a lot of conjecture about the turnover test and how it applies. Um, what we do know is the ATO documentation and the explanatory statement are saying that you need to pass this test once. Okay. Okay, not continually for the whole six months. So that's, that's a, um, probably a bit of a revelation that, um, you know, we're still coming to terms with is mm -hmm. we need to satisfy this test once. Um, the test isn't aligned to your BAS period. Okay. Firstly, so that was a lot of the early documentation was suggesting it would be quarterly if you're quarterly, monthly if you're monthly. That doesn't appear to be the case. Um, you can attest anyway, anyway from March against March, April to April, right, right. through, um, or the quarter of you know the quarter of June versus mm -hmm. the quarter of June, April through June, but uh -huh. not the quarter of March. So for a lot of people, they were stressing that well, March wasn't too bad. Yeah. How do I fall in? Part of this is gonna be about estimating where things are gonna land by the end of April. So you're gonna to have to take some um, look at what you've got and, and work out, okay, what's in the pipeline? How much service am, services am I gonna deliver before the end of the month? What's my turnover gonna look like? What did I turn over last, last, this time last year in that month? So again, for businesses that have really solid accounting um, software, that's gonna be a lot easier to do than someone who's got um, a less sophisticated accounting software or yeah. um, doesn't have that detail to hand. They might have to work a bit harder to, mm -hmm. to get the information. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, the, that's probably number four on the list. Um, the, the fifth thing you, you, you we're gonna do is there's gonna be a notification to your employees that you need to gonna get out there. So in writing, um, you need to let them know you're gonna, you're gonna enter the scheme. Yep. They then in turn also need to let you know so the next step is they need to let you know that you're their, their employer, that they're relying on for this payment. They okay. can only have one. Yes. And they can come back to you and say, 
this is yes you're my yes. employer so there's a, there's a, a specific form for that that okay. they've now released so you need to have them sign it return it to you um, and then the seventh thing is we're going to have to make the payments before the end of the month so the way this scheme works is you're going to get reimbursed right for it mm -hmm. for the wages but you're going to have to have paid them first so right. by the end of april we're going to have to have made those payments rather okay. than in line with the fortnights as you would normal fortnightly pay so they've given us a grace period to get everything in line okay and by the end of this month you need to have at least paid everyone who's eligible under the scheme if yes. you if you're choosing to enter it fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight um, just one one cycle yeah, two cycles so before the end of April we're gonna have to have paid two cycles right right so um, <clears throat> like you were saying for businesses that have that have actually stopped trading it means they're gonna have to find this yeah. money to fund it um, so that's that's been a bit of a sticking point I think for a lot of businesses is for them to enter the scheme to elect to enter the scheme and they have 20 employees they're mm -hmm. gonna have to find that money for two fortnights worth sure. before they get then reimbursed by the ATO in mm -hmm. May. So um, that is a bit of a challenge for it and it's it's um, something that employers are going to have to work mm. through. So um, that's the seventh thing. Look, we're going to have to pay them. That's how this is going to work. We're going to have to have made those payments by the end of the month. Um, the other the other thing we're going to have to do is prepare the payroll accordingly. So there's some, uh, we're still waiting on the software companies really to get yes. up to speed on what they're doing. So yes. the best thing to do is, if you can, is hold off making those payments or hold off reporting those payments until your software company that you're using for your accounting software is up to sure. speed, right? So once that happens, it'll be a lot easier. That's gonna take a bit of the pressure off how, how it works and how it happens. Once we've done that, we get to the end of this month, 4th of May, we're gonna have to believe it's gonna be called the JobKeeper Declaration Report, mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to do that every month. Part of that reporting is going to be turnover and the other part is going to be eligible employees. So um, it's allowing for the instance that someone chooses, that an employee chooses to leave your employment sure. sometime in the six months, right? They get a job yep. and they say, look, hey, I'm leaving. This is the mechanism to allow us to noti notify the ATO and say, hey, you Stop know, Joe Bloggs is yep. no longer one of our yep. eligible employees. They've moved on. Yep. Um, so that's what that's for. Um, interestingly, you're going to have to report turnover. Mm. Um, but they're not suggesting that they might take the payments away if you turn over. But they've been, the, I mean, it's, currently it explicitly says you pass it once, you won't be retested. Okay. So, the, the, okay. yeah, again, this is some of the anomalies where you sort of look at and you start to get a little bit sceptical. Yeah. But, but again, we can kind of just Absolutely. we can kind of just lean on the fact that it it is implicit in, in saying that at, at this stage it's passing the test once. So, sure. um, and then lastly, you know, you're just going to lodge your activity statements. That's also going to fall into this the reporting of the scheme. This is you know because it's going to be your GST turnover, yep. um, which includes your GST free sales. So, you know, importantly for anyone who's registered but is GST free, like this industry, that they're actually reporting those GST sales figures mm -hmm. in their in their activity statements. So, uh, okay. if they are lodging one, so that that's that's kind of it. Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au
All right, uh, one question here from Jane. I employ New Zealand citizens. Are they included in the job seeker scheme? It depends on their visa requirements okay. again so this is the, the these are probably one a really good example of where when you're testing those eligible employees there's some age there's some start dates employment types and there's some visa types um, and again rather than sort of go through all of those in detail um, if you do have someone who's on a on a work visa yeah. you think is eligible based on the other criteria that that's that's there Get hold of your accountant, get some clarity, um, and 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 come up with a come up with a plan if they're not, sure. or yeah, it falls into it if they are. So okay, um, income test. Some questions here about income testing. Yep. So a business that's scaled, so they've grown mm. grown in size. Their income yep. is higher than twelve months ago, but they've still lost revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where that kind of fits at the moment is um, ultimately they've come out and said this year, last year. Right now, some businesses won't have a last year, and some businesses last year won't be anything like this year. So, um, where we sit with that is the um, the legislation, the rules have, have left that in the um, ATO's court to come up with a alternate test. Um, and as of this morning, um, it's still pending. The, pending. Yeah. So we're going to have more information about the alternate test. I believe there's going to be some way through this online registration for us to demonstrate eligibility um, based on an alternate method. Mm-hmm. We're still waiting. So for anyone whose business has changed so drastically that it's unrecognisable, um, again, it's a case of hold tight, communicate with your employees that you're going to do everything you can to work out whether you fit into this yeah. and um, and that you, you know, you, you, you're just you know, you're trying to digest the information as it comes through, so. So for businesses um, that are in this situation, and I would think in our sector that's probably, there'd be many because mm. we're in a growth, yeah, yeah, a yeah. growth sort of market. Um, and they've only got till the 30th of April to make two cycles of payments to employees. So that's a lot to cram into, what are we down to about, you know, yeah, half a month, yeah, 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 15 days. So yeah. um, are we anticipating, you think the ATO will be out with that alternate test? Yes. Very soon. I'm going to say yes, right? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say the 20th of April yeah. is kind of the sort of kickoff date for enrolment, and I believe they'd be working really hard to make sure they've got clarity yeah, sure. by the 20th. Um, okay. What what people need to also remember is yes, it would be devastating to not be able to enter the scheme um, in April, mm-hmm. um, but the there's nothing stopping you if you you do see that turnover fall between now and the end of September to join the scheme at a later date. Yes. Right. Okay. So okay. there is that. So um, yes, ideally, you know, we're going to get that information. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to digest it. Um, not so much petition, but certainly lodge our application online and fall into the scheme and, and it'll be business as usual. So um, yeah, I, I've got sort of a few tips here for businesses, you know, today, what do they need to do? So right okay. as of right now, we're at the 15th of April, the first fortnight's essentially ended. We've got another fortnight that's due before the end of this month. Um, what do you do today to give yourself just that little bit of peace with everything that's going on. So what I'd say to anyone is if they haven't registered for the information to get the links and the text mm-hmm. messages, not that I can guarantee there'll be any more that come out via that text service, but you can still register. So you can register at that, um, is it like at ata.gov.au slash jobkeeper payment. Um, place it'll take you to you just register it puts you on the list of when they've got new information they'll circulate it um, we can only register genuinely enroll on the 20th of April right mm-hmm. which is in five days time so mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that for now um, 
if you don't have a single touch payroll accounting system, I'd probably look to invest in one. That's the other thing I'd really consider yeah. between now and the 20th and now and the end of April is get yourself up to speed. Um, the third thing is start establishing who your eligible employees are. So things like if they are foreign residents, confirm their visa status. If they're, you know, date of birth, most payroll systems um, are going to have that start date. Yeah. They're going to have their date of birth. Yeah. Um, so get all that information collated, work out who we're talking about here, look at what do they get paid now? What will they be paid now? I mean, I've got a, a template that'll help people do it, um, which we can obviously circulate or get in touch or work out how we can distribute that. But, sure. you know, we, you know, put your employees in, put what you expect to pay them, put the, yeah. the, the critical information in and it'll, you know, it'll calculate some of the damage um, in terms of what you're going to have to fund before you get it. Yep. Um, or, you know, if most of your employees are paid more than $1,500 a fortnight, you know, it's really what you're going to get. Sure. So it's, it's not so much a pass-through um, or so, like a, you know, a payment that you're funding. Um, the fourth one is notify your employees that you've nominated to enter the scheme, but you're waiting on eligibility criteria to be cleared up or satisfied. Mm -hmm. um, that, again, is just communicating to those guys. Have them sign those nomination forms in the meantime um, so that you've got them. And then probably the fifth one is, you know, really lean on your advisor, your accountant at yeah. this point in time. Things are changing really rapidly. Um, it's one of those scenarios where, you know, being able to DIY this yeah. um, is probably going to be a little bit beyond some people. And I think the sooner you sort of realise, yep, this is something I can do or this is something I can't do, get it, get in touch with your, get in touch with your accountant, start working with them, start relying on the information they're circulating. Mm -hmm. um, most firms are working really, really hard to communicate to their clients what they yeah. need. This is where we're at. This is what's changed overnight, um, sending out. So, um, you know, if you're not getting those updates from your accountant, you know, give them a call, send them an email, say, hey, you know, have I dropped off a mailing list, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, try and work through that with them. That's probably the best best thing um, at the moment. So those are sort of five things to sort of do to cool your heels a little bit before the 20th. Um, and then really from the 20th, we kind of go through another sort of um, buzz of activity around this. So okay. yeah, that's that's probably the main it's thing. Be very busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for us, same thing. The moment it's the 20th, you know, we're going to be working with our clients and, and trying to get that, um, get everything cleared up, get everyone um, who, who falls into it um, going so yeah sure um, yep. we'll come back to they've got some more questions waiting there we'll come back to those shortly yeah um, I wonder if we could touch on uh, our sole traders because we know in our sector we have such a high number yeah. of sole traders yeah. um, what can they access and, and what are some of the challenges in there for sole traders yeah so I mean what we do know about sole traders is they're, they're going to be eligible for this scheme whether you're a sole trader um, one partner in a partnership one one individual in a trust who's not getting away is going to fall into it in terms of eligibility. There's some other nuanced eligibility with this um, around having an ABN, being in business, having reported income to the ATO sometime prior to the 12th of March. Now, for people who, ha who haven't been registered for GST, haven't lodged a BAS prior to the 12th of March, um, and if they've started this year, they haven't lodged a tax return for last year with business income. So um, they are the probably the one of the groups that we can confidently say we're trying to get more clarity on. Okay. Um, 
the ATO guidelines, I think, uh, as of this morning, still say, you know, under the heading sole traders, we're going to get back to you, basically. So they're just fine-tuning that. So, again, it's a case of don't panic. If, you've, if you're a sole trader, you have genuinely been in business. Um, you've genuinely been providing services. So in this instance, th particularly through the NDIA, we, have, we not only have confirmation you've been providing a service, but we've also got a third-party confirmation you've been providing services, you've been in business, yeah. right, prior to the 12th. So I think you will still find the, the commissioner discretion, worst case, as a way of getting approval that, look, okay. yes, you do. So um, unfortunately, it's, it's that let's just wait and see. But you're going to know if you've had 30% drop in income. If you're one of those people, come the 20th, we're going to have a clearer picture. We're going to go through the enrolment. We're going to get into the scheme. So that's what I'll be saying is look at it positively. Yes, we're waiting on more information. Yes, if you've been drastically impacted, yeah. you know, I think it'll try and get everyone there who's genuinely meant to be there. So that, that's probably the thing to, to, to really think about is the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that I believe there'll be some some more information coming so that's number one um, the other one that's coming up for sole traders is most again because it's a GST free supply under the NDI um, under the NDIS yeah. um, a lot of them are registered for GST so all the wording has been your GST turnover GST turnover mm -hmm. GST turnover has to have fallen by 30% so what we do know is that GST turnover by definition it does include GST free supplies mm -hmm. and it will say but excludes input taxed now, what we do under the NDIA in terms of pro providing services is not input tax, it's GST free. So it will be the turnover that we're looking at is your GST, f GST free supply, which would be your ordinary taxing uh, invoicing through to the plan managers, through, ultimately through to the NDIA. So yep, that yep. It will answer a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I know we spoke about this before, and I, I think I know what your answer is going to be here. But around the accessing super for sole traders, yeah, um, we're just sort of suggesting people get some advice on that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So you know, super falls into um, really the financial ad financial advice, right? So if you are looking at taking money out of super now, you really need to talk to someone who's um, qualified, a financial. Mm -hmm advisor um, who can walk you through I guess the pros and cons of doing that so you know it's really not something you'd want to touch on in a general fashion it, it is saying that you, you you would want to seek specific advice from your financial advisor mm -hmm. um, before you go ahead and do it so okay and of yeah. course there's the job seeker payment is the other option for yeah look the, and then the job seeker payment again which is yeah. which is the other option so um, which you know as an accountant you know we're sort of dragged into obviously all of this at the moment with the business Side, side of things but you know I know personally I'm not as au fait with Centrelink's rules sure. um, as other accountants maybe mm -hmm. um, but you know certainly for mine is if you think you're entitled for the job seeker it's you know going through the appropriate channels to register um, for the job seeker th with because that, that'll be your, your ultimate answer you know asking yeah. your accountant whether you qualify is probably not going to be as meaningful as actually just applying for it and yep. working out whether that's um, that's something you, sh you know you can get and so. of course uh, an employer or a sole trader can only apply for one or the other yeah and I mean JobKeeper is um, more uh, more money right so it's $400 more a fortnight so yeah. it's obviously the one you want to be going for I, I think and you just we just need to wait just until the end of the end of this month before we're, we're probably going to be 100 percent clear on on where we sit and what the reporting protocols look like yeah. so sure create your own big bang and see your business idea come to life 
Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code BIGBANG to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. I know a few people are wondering about this. There's um, delayed payments. So we know in the NDIS this is an ongoing issue with mm-hmm. their fees and claims often take, not the portal claims, I know they go in quite quickly, yep. but some um, payments through plan management or through self-managing um, clients over a month yeah, to yeah, come yeah. in. So uh, in terms of showing turnover, that's a little bit tricky when those debts are sitting there outstanding. So yeah. is that something people should work through with their accountant? Yeah, look, I think so. I, I think you're going to have to look back. Ultimately, they've said, look, the, the this turnover test doesn't rely on your, your registration with your BAS, whether you're quarterly or monthly. I'm not clear, to be honest, whether that's, whether if you're on cash or accrual, that that impacts it either. Mm-hmm. So on a cash activity statement for example when you get paid so yep. when they finally do pay you that's when you recognize it on your on your bats right under a cash yes. cash basis and an accruals basis the day you raise that invoice mm-hmm. would be the day you recognize that mm-hmm. income so not clear again not another one we're not 100 clear on whether cash or accrual is going to impact you if you're on an accruals basis the delayed payments are relevant yeah if you're on a cash basis unclear whether the it's you know it's going to be re- relevant or not okay yeah. So, so that's another watch this space that month. That is, yeah. definitely. And it's the same with the upfront payment mm-hmm. too, right? So the upfront payment, which you may as well get into now. So the upfront payment really is, um, they've worked it up saying, look, it's 10% of what we think your average claims are made through the NDIS. This is the one offered through the NDIS. Yeah, the, yeah. So the fees in advance. Correct. One month payment. So yep. a lot of people have got that. Some people got it early April. Some people got it in March. And there's some concern about how that impacts turnover, right? Because yep. you're like, Absolutely. well, I've got, you know, I've just got 10% of, you know, um, what a normally bill bang. So um, no is the answer. It won't impact your turnover test, right? That that amount really represents a prepayment of services. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're only going to ever recognise that, that income when you raise the invoice and submit. So they've said that they're going to claw this back through the invoicing you do. When they start doing that, I'm not sure. Mm, yes. they, and I don't think they're sure. I think they're waiting to see sort of when we start now. You put in a, a claim for $10,000. You know, we just think we're going to offset 50% of that against what we've paid you previously or 100% of that. Mm. I'm not quite sure how they're going to work that they out. they wait for yeah. the COVID to fully um, pass. restrictions to be lifted, yeah. Yeah, so, so but, but it's a payment in advance and it it, it is a debt. Right. If you've received that money, you owe it back to the NDIA until such a time you've invoiced or they've applied mm-hmm. it to invoices. So it's not income. Okay. That's the main thing to, to think of in that is this is actually a debt. It's not an income. It's not an income line item. Sure. Um, your income is going to be what you invoice. So for people on a cash basis, like we're saying, if they submit an invoice and then it offsets against the NDIA payment, immediately they've received it essentially. So it might shorten that timing on that. But um, yeah, for a lot of businesses, like you're saying, who have a long delay, it's actually really helpful to have that money up front. So um, it's really a prepayment of of services to provide and it's there to keep the services going. That's that's the the logic. And if people aren't sure how to account for that, they can talk to their accountant. Yeah, they can talk to their accountant or their bookkeeper. bookkeeper, You know, like some some bookkeepers are just terrific um, and they're going to be able to help you set it up or if they're going to know how to to set it up and claw it back as as, as it goes. So. Yeah, beautiful. Yep. Um, Aqua asks, 
What if she's a company, but she's the only full-timer in the company, and then she's got some staff that she hires through a contract? Um, yeah, so, so again, they're, they're probably, you know, quite specific. So for a company, if she's the only employee, full-time employee and been paying a wage, yep. I imagine it's it's not going to be a problem if she passes a turnover test, other eligibility, you know, timing, that, that shouldn't be too much of a hassle, um, even if she's the director, right? So there's no, it's not, it's that's not too much of a problem because she's getting a wage. Sure. Um, when it comes to contractors through this, they're ultimately if they're if they're relying on their own ABN or they're relying on their labour hire yeah. company, um, again, pretty nuanced um, and individual circumstances are probably going to apply to that. That you need to specifically seek out advice to it. Um, so there's 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 probably not a lot of general rule. You know, unless they contract to you, they're their own sole trader. You know, they're applying for mm-hmm. their own job keeper. Only one person can get it. You know, you can only get it for your employees. So other than that, yeah, there's not a lot you can probably... Yeah, so the contractors would probably be sole traders. In their well, they probably name. would be in their own right. name or their own company yeah, or whatever so it might be. So then they're doing it themselves, you know. So again, it's um, it's really subjective just to, to the, the arrangement. So. so I've just nailed that down because I know I've had some questions about that. Um, absolutely, JobKeeper is only for employees, not for contractors. There's a lot of contracting in this sector. Uh, yes. So for you, yes, it is. As, as the um, as the person engaging the contractor, as the business engaging a subcontractor, you can't get a JobKeeper payment for that person. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I, Unless you know, there's something that I've, I've overlooked, but there's no sort of mention of sort of quasi-employee yeah. relationships and, and that yeah. type of thing. So. But they can apply for job. But they would then apply right. for it if they've yeah. been, you know, if they've actually yeah, seen a 30% drop test. as well. Then they yeah. would they would look at job keeper, job seeker, depending on what's most appropriate for them. So yeah. okay, if she doesn't pay herself a wage, there's still a business participant director element, much like the sole trader qualification. Okay. So there, yes, there might be a way. Yes, what we know is she would still be able to to one person. So, you know, if it was husband and wife team, only one person as a director, business participant, is the word we're using, would be eligible for JobKeeper. So there's still an avenue there, even without paying a wage. It'll just be um, through that alternate alternate route. Yes, yes. So it'd still be hold tight to the 20th, enrol, um, submit all the information that we've got and um, one director should be fine to, to get a business participants, what I, what I believe, yeah. Okay, Richie asks, how about if you have staff and they're still doing hours but not as much, can they claim JobKeeper and get, and oh, can they be topped up? Now, this is a regular question. Yeah, so absolutely. So that's, can, a, that's the design of the scheme, right? It's to, um, for anyone who's, who's earning less than the 750 a week, 1500 a fortnight, you as an employee, you get the 1500 albeit in arrears, right? Your requirement is to pay everyone at least a minimum of mm-hmm. 1500 So if you've cut their hours back and they do two days a week for you, you top them up mm-hmm. to 1500 Now, the little bit, but so you will get 1500 still. Yep. Even if you're topping up, you know, Bob, by $250 yep. a fortnight, you then get the 1500 Yep. So for everyone who's keeping employees going and have still suffered these 30% downturn, that's what they're trying to incentivize you to do is to keep people employed. So um, for businesses that are still usefully using their employees, they're getting the benefit. Mm-hmm. For businesses that are closed, 
they're almost acting like a decentralized Centrelink. Centrelink, yeah. Yep. They're collecting money, passing it through. Really, not a lot of not a lot of benefit um, and a lot of administration burden if you're not operating and you're not employing. People aren't gamefully like being employed. Yeah. They're not actively being used. But that certainly that they're holding onto their yeah, employees. Yeah, if you pay an employee two thousand dollars a fortnight usually and they're still gamefully employed in that way and you're still they're still working in the same fashion and still being useful and you haven't reduced their hours and you qualify for the scheme, you would keep the fifteen hundred. So your cost to keeping that person's now subsidised. So yeah. it's really a wage subsidy scheme designed to subsidise employers um, and then it's also designed to um, really sort of maybe take some of the stress out of the, the public system a little bit. Um, but with the idea that that person is then going to be fully available when um, when we go back to uh, a level of normality or when things ramp back up or business ramps up is mm-hmm. they're employed by you. Um, you know, you essentially can call them into work to work for you. There's no rehiring. There's no, yep. you know, issues with trying to find people. So that's that's the idea. So, yeah. Okay. Well, Barrett, we're at the end of our time already. We said that this might happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that amazing amount of valuable content that you've yeah, given sure. um, our sector today. Um, we ha- obviously have much more to give. Um, If your business is operating in New South Wales and you'd like to access some business advisory support that's completely subsidised at the moment by the New South Wales Government under the Business Connect program, um, I would suggest that you Google Business Connect and follow the links to book an advisor or you can always contact us here at the Business Centre in Newcastle and again we'll we'll post some links. Um, If your business is operating outside of New South Wales we can help you as well. Um, Unfortunately you can't tap into that government subsidy but um, we certainly are very happy to work with any business that's experiencing difficulty. So thanks for joining us. We we hope we see you sometime soon in in the flesh when we're allowed to. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre.